worship team. Thank you for setting the stage and leading our hearts. Aaron, thank you for that. Just exhorting us to, you know, sometimes we need a little, we need a little exhortation, right? That's why I got cheerleaders at the ball game sometimes is to wake you up and say, hey, let's get, let's get, let's get excited about this. And there's nothing in this world that should excite us more than coming together and worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship different. You know, we don't come in here and run around the room and paint our faces and act, act all that crazy stuff that goes in with ball games. Though some people find that entertaining and fun. I, 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 I don't want to do that in church. Amen. So, but we want to come in here with hearts aflame for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you've been born again, you ought to be excited. Well, we've been in a series. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Buckle up this morning, okay? I want you to put... Reach over and get your seatbelt. I want you to buckle it in, get in there real snug and tight because we're going to fly this morning, all right? So, so I, listen, I feel the pressure, and, and, and I, I'm going to praise you guys because I haven't heard one person that has come. Nobody's come to me or sent me an email and said, can you not be quicker? Can you not preach short? I'm not going to focus on that. I prepare, and, 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 and I don't come in here with the desire to preach for an hour and 15 minutes. That's not my desire. That's not what I aim to do. Sometimes it happens. Uh, but that's not my goal. It's not what I'm shooting to do. So this morning, I know I got a lot. I'm going to move fast. I want you to listen fast. You know what that means, right? You gotta, you, it means you got to be tuned in and you got to listen fast to what's going on this morning. So we've been in this series talking about, you know, we, 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 the, the scripture says that, that we thought, you thought I was altogether like you. That's what God said to us. You, you thought I was altogether like you. And, and we put that on God. We sometimes think he ought to be like us. He ought to act like us. And when he doesn't, that's when we, when we get our eyes off of him and understand who he is. We, we get messed up and we start thinking, you know, we know better. Or God should do things the way we think he should do things. And that's when we mess up and we start doing the whys. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why didn't you do this? We ask God why. We're, we want all these answers. And, and so what really comes down to is we've got to turn this thing and quit seeing it from our perspective because it's so limited, it's so small, it's driven by selfishness and sin. And we can't, listen, we can't help but see things from our perspective. I mean, that's the, this is the goggles I see through is right here. But we have to learn to see it through God's sight, through his vision. We've got to see things through, and we've got his word, so we have this. So we're, we're in this series on when God asks us why, and we've been talking about, well, I mean, before I get to that, I want to show just a picture real quick. Before I show the picture... Pop it off, pop it off. Before I show the picture, you've already seen it. I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to, to, to blurt out, okay? I don't want you to blurt it out, but I want you to think about it. When I ask two questions, I may ask it real quick. But let's show the picture again. And I want you to raise a hand if, if... Now, how many of you see a hole? Raise your hand if you see a hole. How many of you see something else? All right, so most of you, what else do, what do you see? A hay bale. Some of you see the hole, though. Some of you saw the hole. It's perspective, right? When it first pops up, Pastor Aaron said, man, I thought that was grim. When it first popped up here, he said, I thought there was like a a grave. Yeah. And so when it first pops up, you kind of think, what? All right. So it's about perspective. Now that you've seen it, you can't unsee it. All right. So it's seeing it from the right way. It's seeing it from that perspective. And that's kind of where we're looking at with this series when God asked us why? We ask him questions why all the time. And there are all kinds of questions in scripture where God asks us why. And that's where we're going. Week one, we looked at why are you so fearful? Well, last week we took a step further. Why are you so fearful of death? Because in Mark chapter four, really all through those, the gospel, the, the parallel accounts of this, when the disciples are in the boat, the Lord's asleep and they come to him and they say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I love the King James there. It says, cares thou not that we perish? Can't you just hear? I mean, he's asleep. So the boat ain't sunk yet. I mean, and but they instantly go right to we're dying. Do, God, do you not even care? That's what we do so often when things don't go our way. We're asking why. Last week we looked at Mary and Martha, and you know, when Lazarus had died, and the Lord had told him again and again and again, look, this isn't unto death, he will rise again. Look, you got to understand. They didn't hear that. He shows up, Lazarus has died, he's in the tomb, and the question Martha and Mary both ask is, you know, Lord, if you'd been here, they don't ask a question, they make a statement, they made a judgment on him. Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. So where were you, Lord? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you do something about it? That's ultimately what they're asking. 
And that's where we get to. And so that's what, and the Lord really looks at this and he, and he asked them the question. He says, you know, he asked the disciples in the boat and really the same, same kind of question applies here with Mary and Martha. You know, why are you so fearful of death? Even if Lazarus did die and that was the thing and, and, and he was dead, if that's, why are you so fearful of that? What is it? So we're looking today at part two of this uh, in our series, but part two of this series of message here on why are you so fearful of death? Folks, let me tell you something. Too many Christians today have stopped living for the fear of dying. Now, do you hear what I'm saying? People have stopped, Christians have stopped living because they're scared of dying. Now, that makes no sense. We go, that's nonsensical, but, but think about what, what that means. We, we've put our lives on hold because we're fearful of death. I'm going to live, folks. Amen. I'm not going to walk around. I'm not going to be stupid. I don't go lick doorknobs like Brent does. I'm, I, don't, I don't tempt things. I'm not pushing the envelope. I'm not trying to be out there and all that, and, and I try to be smart. I try to be safe and all that. But listen, I'm not going to quit living over fear of dying. If that was the case, I'd never get on I-4. Amen? You'd never get on I-4. If you get out on the highways, but you're scared of COVID, something's messed up in your thinking because these roads are, 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 are deadly. Every time on 46, almost without fail, once or, once or twice a week, I'm going to have an instance where I go, they're going to kill somebody. They're going to kill somebody. And so, look, people have stopped living their lives out of a fear for dying. Why are we so fearful? Well, I'm going to look at nine points. I'm going to move quick. Nine points. Nine points this morning. Hang with me, okay? Number one, let's just work through it. I'm going to go as quick as I can. Listen quickly here. Number one, death should be, should be feared. Death should be feared. It should be greatly feared. And you see this in your outline, if you have the outline, by those who have not been born again. That's the caveat of that statement right there. Those who have not been born again. So part A, number, or letter A right there is death is the result of sin. In the garden, you go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, God gave them a, gave Adam really one prohibition, one thing. You can eat everything else. You can do whatever else. There's one fruit. Don't eat the fruit of that tree right there. He didn't say don't touch the tree. He didn't say don't look at the tree. He didn't say don't play baseball with the fruit off that tree. He said don't eat of the fruit of that tree. And so Satan comes in, brings temptation, and they give in. Eve eats. She gives to Adam. Adam eats. He disobeyed God. Sin comes into the world. And with that sin, Romans 12, 5, or 5, 12 tells us, therefore, for even as uh, through one man centered into the world and death by sin. Sin came into the world in the garden. Death came in. You know, you, you, you think back what Satan said there. He said, you know, you won't surely die. It, it's a lie. It's a lie. They absolutely died. That instant they died spiritually. That instant they went from being living forever spiritually alive to spiritually dead right there. And they began to die at that point. They were dead men walking, dead woman walking. They were, they were, they, they, they were dead. They were dying. The effects of, of age and all that was going to begin at that point. They were dying. Death came in as a result of sin. Now listen, death is a certainty. Death is a certainty. B, death is certain. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says, there's a time to be born and a time to die. We, we act like, you know, there's a time to be born and I should live forever. Life should just be wonderful. I should go on forever. No, Scripture makes it very clear. There's a time to be born and there is a time to die. Now, we don't know that time, but God knows that time. Psalm 31.15 says, my times are in your hand. They're in God's hands. So when I die, it's up to him. Yep. Amen? Yep. All right. So Hebrews 9.27 says, as it is appointed to men once to die. But that's not the end of it, folks, because after that, the Bible says, but after this, the judgment. There is death. Death is a certainty. Death is not an appointment for some, but for all. For every one of us. No one is singled out to die, and no, uh, not one individual is exempt from death. No exemptions or exceptions are made in favor of wealth or age or beauty or education or intellect or race or gender or social status. Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, he's pouring money into research trying to, trying to uh, find ways that you can keep living, you can live on. And the idea is, I've got all this money, I want to live on. And I don't care if anybody else dies, but I want to live forever because i got all this money, I want to live and enjoy life and spend it. Death's going to get him too. Uh, Norm MacDonald, who just died, the comedian, some of you would know from Saturday Night Live and stuff back in the 80s, but Norm MacDonald just died. He told a joke one time. And, 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 and he said, you know... Uh, 
Now I ain't going to be able to remember the joke. That got more laughs than his joke would have got. Uh, oh, he said when he died, he wanted his body given to research. And he said, I understand, I want the research to be in helping bring people who have died back to life. You know, I want that. That's who I want to be my body given to for research. So that was his idea. He was a funny guy. But uh, listen, people want to beat death, and there is no beating death. We're all going to do that. We're all going to die. We're all terminal, amen? We know that term. If we're sick and the doctor says, look, it's terminal. We understand what that means. We understand that physically we're at a place where we're going to die. Listen, folks, we're all terminal already. We're, we're, we're terminal. Every person in this room is terminal. Because of a thing called sin, we are going to die. The only thing that's going to bring that short is, is the Lord's rapture. If the Lord raptures us out, then we don't have to die. But other than that, if the Lord doesn't rapture us and take us home, woo! Yeah, you, you know, you, you ever hear a horn blow and you do the rapture drill? Just, I'm hoping that's it. Let's go. Uh, but listen, church, if the Lord doesn't rapture us out of here, all of us are heading to the same place. We're all going to the grave. None of us are getting out of this. Death is certain. Now, Jonathan Edwards preached, and that was a long message. I'm going to read just an excerpt of this because, look, it goes back to if you're lost, you ought to fear death. Now, we don't have to as a believer, and I'll explain in a moment, but if, 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 listen to what Jonathan Edwards, part of his sermon, he says, the God that holds you over the pit of hell must, as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. That's because of our sin, folks. That's who we were before we come to faith in Christ. We are sinners, and God sees that sin. He is of purer eyes than to bear you in his sight. You are 10,000 times as abominable in his eyes as the most hateful, venomous serpent in ours, is in ours. You have offended him infinitely more than ever a stubborn rebel did his prince. And yet it is nothing but his hands, hand that holds you from falling into the fire every moment. It is to be ascribed to nothing else that you did not go to hell the last night, that you were suffered to awake again in this world. After you close your eyes to sleep and there is no other reason to be given why you have not dropped into hell since you arose in the morning, but that God's hand has held you up. Next paragraph, he says, O sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in. It is a great furnace of wrath a wide and bottomless pit full of the fire of wrath that you are held over in the hand of that God whose wrath is provoked and incensed as much against you as against many of the damned in hell. You hang by a slender thread with the flames of divine wrath flashing about it and, and, and ready every moment to singe it and burn it asunder. Folks, a person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that idea, that, that understanding that we are, we are dangling over the hell and the only thing that keeps us out of hell is that, the, that God spares our lives for another moment. So, so the fact is, if, if you aren't born again, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, death ought to scare you to death. You ought to be fearful of death. But listen, we... If you've been born again, you don't have to fear death. Because see, you see there in your notes, glory to God, that by God, through Christ, death has been de defeated. Amen? Um, uh, I think I put the reference in here, and I'm drawing a blank. Is that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 or 2 Corinthians chapter 15 there, verse 55? Is it 1? 1 Corinthians 15 and 55 says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. We just talked about it. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We have victory over death. We have victory over hell. We have victory over sin in the grave. We don't have to fear those things as a born-again believer because God has won the victory through His Son, Jesus Christ. The victory is ours through Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, you should fear death if you are lost. We should fear death for our lost loved ones, friends, neighbors, if they are lost. Amen? We should do everything we can to see them come to faith in Christ before it's too late. If we really understand hell, if we really believe in hell, 
Folks, we ought to be diligent. If I'm saved, I ought to be diligent in trying to win the loss to the Lord. It's not enough just to live your life and come to church. It means you need to tell people about Jesus. You need to share the gospel every day, every opportunity, every chance we get. So, for us, Christians, who I'm talking to this morning primarily, we don't have to fear death because there's victory over death. Christ has won that victory. Number two, God's perspective of a believer's death. Now, we need to understand his perspective of, of, of a death of a believer. God has special tenderness in his heart when his children die. We've, we've talked about this a few weeks ago, but Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We, we don't think of death that way. We don't think of death as, boy, that's a precious thing. But that's the way God sees it. When one of his children dies, he sees it as precious. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's something that makes us very sad, and it makes the Lord very glad. And when a believer dies and goes home to be with the Lord, the Scriptures say it is a precious thing to God. Now, precious, that means it's a valuable thing. It's a splendid thing. It's a glorious thing in his sight. Gosh, if God sees it that way, why is it something we so dread and fear and, 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 and loathe? God sees it as a precious thing. But we have to look at it. We have to see it. We have to see death from God's perspective. And so I'd share this. And I want to share this again, kind of the illustration. Listen, God knew us before he ever acted in creation. Amen. I've shared, I don't understand all that, but I know God is over time. God saw forward. He saw if I act in creation, here's what's going to happen. They're going to fall into sin. It's going to require me to send my son Jesus to redeem them in order to win them back because of sin. So if I act in creation, they're going to fall into sin. And, but he, look, he, he, before he ever created, he saw us today. He saw us sitting here. He saw you. He saw me. He loved us. He said, I love them. I'm going to create. I'm going to create. They're going to fall, and I'm going to have to send my son Jesus to die for them. And Jesus obeyed the Father. He was obedient to the will of the Father. And he came to earth, humbled himself, and became a man, and then humbled himself and went to the cross. And he, and he, and he died on that cross for our sins. He bore our sin. The Bible says he became our sin, and he died for us. And then, you know, he, he, he showed his love for us. He demonstrated his love for us back then, 2,000 years ago, that before, you know, before uh, he demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners 2,000 years from now, we're still sinners. Christ died for us 2,000 years ago to make a way. So fast forward 2,000 years ago and, and, and God sees Cliff over there and he says, ah man, he, he needs to be saved. And he, and, he, and he burdens his heart, he convicts his heart and Cliff responds to the gospel and he, and he receives salvation, he gets saved and God's working his life, Christ is working his life, the Holy Spirit's working his life and he's growing him and he's building that relationship and there's that love that Cliff's growing in love with the Lord and the Lord loves him and there's all of this going on through Cliff's lifetime and at some point God says, you know, I created him, he's mine, I saved him, I sent my son to die for him and, and Jesus died for him and now he saved him and now we've had this relationship. You know what? I want him to come home. Amen. And he calls Cliff home and God says that's a precious thing. Amen. We see it as, oh, Cliff died. Well, if Cliff's in hell, I hope we do feel that way. But if I know Cliff's a born again man as he is, now I know if Cliff dies, if he drops dead before this service is over, I'm going to rejoice for Cliff because he's going to bust heaven wide open. Amen. And he's going to be with the Lord. And it's going to be precious in the Lord's sight. We have to see it from God's perspective. Why are we fearing something so much that God is in control of and that he sees it as a precious thing? In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was stoned to death for his faith in Jesus. You know the story there. Just moments before he died, the Bible says this about Stephen. It says, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Here he is being stoned to death, folks. Nobody else, scriptures don't say anybody else saw it. I don't, I, this is inspiration of the Holy Spirit because Stephen didn't say, hey guys, write this down because the heavens just opened up. And, but he did say this. Look what, what, what Stephen says. He says, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. The heavens opened up as he's being martyred for his faith. He's being stoned to death. Now, that sounds like a terrible way to go. We're talking about ways to go. I'll take drowning over stoning, okay? I'll take stone, drowning over being burned. There's a lot of you. If we, get, we don't get a choice in it, though, right? 
But I don't want to be Stephen. I don't want to be getting stoned to death. But as he is, God gave grace. God gave him grace. Stephen's looking up to heaven. I can imagine there's a peace and there's a smile on Stephen's face as he looks up and he sees Jesus not seated at the right hand of the Father. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Stephen's coming home. This is his child. This is one he redeemed and he loves him. And he's coming home. And God's excited about it. Jesus is overjoyed. And it's a precious thing in the sight of the Lord. <clears throat> it's the death of his saints. And, and as I said, I believe God gives Christians dying grace. I believe that. I hope that nobody else's water. It's been open. <laughs> it was already open. I hope that's one I left up here last week. But <clears throat> um, I, I've, I've heard too many stories of of men and women martyred, God giving dying grace. I've watched too many believers as they pass from this life into eternity and I've seen the peace and the grace that God gives. I believe that God gives dying grace. A believer isn't going to be just fretting at death. The believer, God gives us peace. He gives us grace as he did with Stephen there. We don't have to fear this thing of death. We can also see God's tenderness in Isaiah 57.1. God's word says, the righteous, perish, the righteous perishes and no, one, no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. Now the living Bible words it in this way. No one seems to realize that God is taking them away from evil days ahead. We, we don't consider that. And I shared, I've shared before when someone passed, I said, you know, we don't know what God knows. How do you know that God didn't spare them uh, if 10 years of, of, of cancer and, and just torment? How do, you, how do you know? We don't know what God knows. And God at times may step out and say, look, because God knows the beginning from the end. Amen. Now, how do we know he isn't just acting in mercy? But I'm going to tell you this. Anytime we die, it's an act of mercy. Because to be taken out of this old sinful world is an act of mercy. You know, I find it interesting that we don't grieve when someone graduates high school. We don't grieve when someone finishes college. We celebrate that. Oh, man, they're not going to be in class anymore. Oh, it's terrible. No, we rejoice with them because they're finished. They've graduated and moved on. We don't grieve when someone retires. We throw retirement parties, right? Everybody, man, we're excited. Oh, man, that's awesome. What are you going to do now? You know, it's, we're excited about that. We don't act that way with death. Death is a graduation from this life into eternal life. Number three, death is part of life. Death is part of life. We were dead, amen? We were dead in our sin. We were eternally dead. We were headed for an eternal separation from God in a real place called hell. That's where we were, and Jesus came to give us life. John 3, 18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Jesus didn't come to judge us. He didn't come to condemn us. We were already condemned. We're already condemned because of our sin. Jesus came to save us. He came to make a way. But, but because he was not, uh, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of, Son of God. That is the only way of salvation is faith in Christ. And if we don't have that faith, we are already condemned. Death is a part of life, folks. But at salvation, we're made alive spiritually. So we go from eternal death to eternal life. When we are born, well, not even when we're born, when we're conceived, we're an eternal being. We're eternal, amen? From conception, not from birth. You don't become a, a person at birth. You become a person at conception. The lie that has been told in our society today is that life begins at birth and there's been all this wanting to negotiate and to, to discuss about life. They don't even, they not even, they've, they've lied all through the years. They've known from the start, from the early 70s, that life begins at conception. But it's all about owning the words. It's owning the rhetoric, changing the de definitions of things and changing the meanings. But let's look at this slide because I want you to see this. Because when we're born, and I put on there birth, and I shouldn't have put that. That was wrong. That should have been conception. But you get the idea. When we are conceived, we become alive. And we live for eternity. We have eternal 
it's either eternal life or eternal death. But when we're born, we're, when we're conceived, we are eternal, we're eternal beings, okay? We're going to go on forever and exist forever. Now, what only question is, is it going to be eternal life or is it going to be eternal death and hell? Now, we look at life. We think about our life. And man, when, when you're young, all of the owners are here going, yeah, life, man, these old people here, they've been around forever. I, listen, I remember as a teenager, 30 years old, you were old. 30, kick dirt on them, man. They're half foot in the grave. Anyway, I'm serious. I remember thinking that way when I'm 18, 17 years old. Then I got to 30 and I'm like, man, I'm just getting started. Now I'm at 50 going, where'd 30 go? So it, it flies. But look at the next slide. This, is, this captures that little line right there. And it really, you have to understand, okay, going to the right. Yeah, I'm going this way. So going to the right is eternity. So, from, I mean, we're going to live forever. It's eternal. Our life, whether you live for eight seconds or you live for 88 years, your life is just a blip. It is simply a blip. Our life here in this physical body is that. And our death, life and death, it's that. That's all there is. And we hold on so hard to this. When, when, when you think of all eternity, let's just draw a string. You take that line, you draw a string that goes on forever. Forever and ever and ever. That's, that little point is our life and all the other is eternity. You, you, you got to get that in mind when you're thinking about life. So understand, life does not end with our earthly death. We think, well, you know, we have our life, and then there's death, and then there's this afterlife. That's really bad thinking. It's not that. Because it's all life. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a transition. James, James 4 says this. He says, whereas do you not know what will happen tomorrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor. Our life here on this earth is very, very brief. And then there's a transition, and I'm going to get into that. But, but our life doesn't end with death. Our physical death doesn't end our life. When we're born again and we become a born-again Christian, we have eternal life. Amen? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him, have faith in Him, put their faith and trust in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say that your life will end, you'll die, and then your life will begin. No, you at that point of faith, you have everlasting life. Death is simply a transition. So too many think of it, you know, like this. There's life, and then there's the afterlife. And, and, but there, there really is that, that we've got to get that thinking out of here. Because that's not really how, how it is. There's simply, I'm going to go from life in the physical to life in the eternal. It's, it's a transition. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, I'm going to preface this. I understand this isn't to me individually. I know this is to Jeremiah. It's a promise to him. And we, we take this promise and we try to apply it to me, to Conrad. This is to Conrad. No, but the principle applies. Okay, the principle applies. So here, here what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to, to give you a future and a hope. God, that is his plan for us. That is his will for us. That is what he's doing in our life. And so while Jeremiah 29, 11 wasn't written to me, the application is still there. The truth of it is still there. So I want to ask you this. Do God's plans simply apply to this life? Or could it be that God's plans for us extend beyond this life? When it says he has a plan for our life, it's not just the X number of years I have in a physical body. It extends through all of eternity. God has a plan for us. There is something we'll be doing. So Christian, the good, the good plans that God has for our lives, they don't end when we die. They extend into, into eternity because our lives are eternal. Not just, it's not just about the here and now. Amen? Are y'all with me? Have I lost you? Okay, all right. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You may, you may die if you believe in me. You know, I'm the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. If you believe in me, though you die body, you shall live. You're alive. You're going to live on. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked, do you believe this? Our lives have purpose, Amen. They have purpose. Our death is a part of our life, right? Right? 
got to understand that. Our death is not the end of our life. Our, our death is our, a part of our life. So even our physical death has purpose, and it is in his time and according to his plan. Amen? Amen. So there's a story. Um, an evangelist named Lighton Ford, and I'm not sure who he was, but I found the story. And Lighton Ford lost his son, Sandy, when Sandy was 21 years old. Sandy died during surgery while in France, serving there as a summer missionary. And part of Leighton's comfort came from the man who supervised Sandy in France. And here's what he said. That, that godly man over in France, he wrote to uh, Ford, and he was describing his thoughts when he first found out about that Sandy had died. And he said, and I quote, I was stunned. 21. So many gifts to use. I thought, what a waste. Then he said, Leighton, I realize we are so earthbound. Sandy's highest service has only begun. We see death in the physical as the end, and it's simply the beginning. It, it, it's, it's, it's the beginning of the beginning. I mean, when we talk about the brevity of life and the briefness of life and, and, and all of it, in reference to all of eternity, this is nothing. That truth gave great comfort to Leighton Ford in the loss of his son, and it should give comfort to us as well. God has great plans for our lives that stretch out for all of eternity, and we're not going to know the details until we get there into eternity. Number four, death is a necessary transition from life here to eternal life. Um, somebody give me the reference there. What is what is? You see, y'all got the reference. What is that? 1 Corinthians 15 again? Okay, 1 Corinthians 15. I've got the 39 and I'm drawing, I'm drawing Of course, you got 80 eyes on you. I can't remember anything. That's why I write stuff down. Um, so you see there, verse 39 says, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another fish, and another birds. Skip to verse 42. It says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Now we understand this idea that at, at when, the, when the Lord uh, comes, the rapture comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. Those folks that have been buried, the, the, their body is going to be called up and it's going to go from corruption to incorruption. They're going to be given a glorified body. That body will be united, reunited with, the, with our soul, with our spirit at that time. Okay, there's going to be a reunion of that. But, but we see that the body is sown in corruption it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness it is raised in power. That's what we've got to look forward to, folks. It is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 50, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Okay, so look at it this way. Just as a fish is not equipped to live on land, we in our natural bodies are not equipped to live in heaven. There has to be a transition. And until the Lord comes back, until the Lord redeems us, that transition is through death. Our bodies will die, we'll be transitioned, we'll, 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 you know, to, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord at our death, we'll be separated. We will be, our spirit, who we are will be in, in glory. But when the Lord comes back and there's the rapture, those bodies will be brought back. And people say, well, what about, what about cremation or what? Look, God, you think God can't put that back together? Every child that's been torn apart in a womb will be put back together. Every part will come back together. And it'll be a glorified body. And, and that'll be you re reunited with their spirit. So, so uh, Philippians 3 verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. There is a transition that has to happen. I want to go to heaven. It's like saying, you know, I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go through the process to get there. That, that's what we're doing when we fear death. There has to be a transition. There's a change. I can't live there like this. Verse five, or number five here. Death is only a shadow for a believer. Now, y'all have heard me preach on this before, but Psalm 
Uh, 23 verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen, it's only the valley of the shadow of death for the believer. Death only casts a shadow on a born-again child of God. There's only a shadow. Death is real. It's there. But all it's doing is casting a shadow. And, you know, I've told illustrations of this. Now I have my own illustration because it actually happened. We were, a year and a half ago, I guess it was, we were up in Tennessee. I'd preached a funeral. We left the funeral. And uh, coming, coming over uh, uh, whatever that mountain is there, I can't remember. I just went blank. doesn't matter. The truck's beside me. And uh, he decided he wanted my lane. I'm in the left-hand lane. I'm right on the, I mean, we're on, it's, there's off the mountain right there. Fortunately, there's a shoulder, but this truck decides he wants my lane. And it's tractor trailer, and he comes right on over. And so I gave it to him. I thought if I'm going to hit the wall or hit him, I'd rather hit the wall. So I, so I get over, and as he comes over, the sun, he comes between us and the sun. And the shadow of this, the, this truck actually came over our car. And I went, wow, I've preached about that. So the question is this. Would you rather be hit by the truck or by the shadow of the truck? That's what death is for the believer. Only the shadow touches us. Death itself doesn't touch us. This this dying in our physical body is simply the shadow of death casting. It's just death casting a shadow across us. Listen, God never leaves us. God never forsakes us. Never. Not even in death. So he walks with us right through the valley of the shadow of death into the very presence of God Almighty. All the while, his rod protects me and his staff guides me. Praise God. Amen. I mean, it's it's a shadow of death. He, He just walks us right through. Jesus has been there. He knows the way. He walks us through. Number six, we're living right now in the shadow of life. And this is something that's just come to, come to mind here as I've been studying this the last few weeks. You know, we're walking right now in the shadow of life. Just like death can only cast a shadow, we're, we really don't, we have life. I have life eternal already. It's just like at salvation, I'm sanctified. But all through my life, I am being sanctified. But when I die, there'll be a final sanctification. Sin is gone and I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'm going to be glorified. I'll be in that glorified body. Sin is done away with. All of those problems, and it's, it's that progression. Look, we're, we have life. If you've been born again, you have eternal life. But you're not living that, that perfect life. You're not living that heaven life. You're not living that yet. We're living in the shadow of life. It's not full, it's complete. Luke 21, 28 says this. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. And we would say, well, I'm already redeemed. You are already redeemed, but you ain't fully redeemed. You ain't fully, you haven't seen the full effects of salvation yet. That's coming. And that's when we have full life. And it is, it is that death or our rapture that that comes in fullness, that we will experience full life when we're in the presence of God Almighty. Amen? So if we really truly grasp the proper view of death, death will become something looked forward to, anticipated, and even desired. And you go, really? Why? Why? Well, look at number seven. This life is holding us back from being with God. It's a sure biblical truth for Christians that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So as long as we are at home in this body, We are absent from the Lord. It doesn't mean he's not at work in our life. It doesn't mean we don't have a relationship. But would you rather be in God's presence or would you rather be as we are right now? I mean, I want to see him face to face. I want to be able to fall at his feet and worship him in in person, in, in, in all his glory. Amen? My human eyes can't even take that in. This human body can't handle it. But as long as we are in this body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident. I love what he says. We're confident. Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. 
I want to be, Paul was saying. I want to be. I'm confident. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm well pleased that I'd rather be absent from this body and be present with the Lord. That's what he wants to be. That ought to be, when we understand death and what it's doing, it's separating us from God. The greatest part of life comes after our earthly death. Philippians 1.21 says, for, we, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You go, what? Look, we don't have anything to lose in death. In fact, look at, look at what you do lose. Think about the things that you're freed from in death. You're freed from the troubles and distresses of this life. Anybody got those? You're freed from disease of the body. Anybody got those? Losses and disappointments in the things of this world. Anybody experience that? You lose that. We're freed from that. Uh, we're freed from the oppressions and persecutions of wicked people. We're freed from unbelief, doubt, and fears. We're freed from the temptations and oppressions of Satan. And best of all, we're just freed from sin itself. It's gone. When death comes, that's done with. But here's what we gain. We gain a new body. The older we get, amen. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready for that. Amen. We, we gain a new home. Amen. I've gone and prepared a place for you. The Lord's preparing a place. We have a new work. You know, if we think we work here, work, work here is good. It's good in the spiritual sense. Work is a dirty word now but because it's, it's the sin, the effects of sin. But God gave us work before the fall. So work is something we should do. It's a good thing. And we're going to work for all of eternity. We're going to have something to do. It might be go out there to that far out galaxy. I want you to check out something on the, you know, and come back and bring me a report. God already knows but he's giving us something to do. I don't know. But we're going to have a work. We're going to have something to do. And we're going to have a new fellowship. Think of, think of all the people you know that are in heaven. You know, somebody said a long time ago, they said, you know, heaven, every, every time somebody I know that's a believer dies, heaven gets a little sweeter. I don't know. Really, heaven can't get any sweeter because Christ is there and God is there. But, but for us, we, we, we'll know those. We're going to know Rob and Florence. We'll see them again. Lisa. We're going to see them again. Connie Leitner. There's so many in our church that in just the three and a half years I've been here that have gone to be with the Lord. They're there. We're going to see them again. We're going to fellowship. We have a new fellowship. But best of all, listen, we're no longer separated from God Almighty and, and, and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the best part about death. Look, for me, to, to die is gain. It's gain. So as soon as a believer dies, they enter into the presence of God and is immediately with Christ, which is far better than being here. Amen? I think it is. Is that, that was a weak amen. Y'all, okay, all right. Y'all, y'all are really intense, or are you getting hungry? I don't know which it is, but all right. Number eight, we should look forward to death with anticipation, not dread. Not dread. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse uh, sixteen through eighteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. You know, the body starts to break down. I went and had an MRI on my knee. Some of you have heard me whine about it. His little knee's getting old. So I went and got an MRI because I'm trying to do some running, and it's just giving me all kind of trouble. And I go get an MRI, and they said, there ain't nothing wrong with it. I felt like the woman who tells her husband, my truck's making, car's making a noise, and he gets in, and there's no noise there. Um, I do have a cyst on my knee inside, but it's not, there's no damage there. But I'm thinking at 53, you know, the outward man is perishing. This body's breaking down. Now, I, always, I always tell folks, I say, man, these golden years, right? Man, we, well, the, can't wait for the golden years. Man, there ain't much golden about. Mm. So, look, the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Amen? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and ex, uh, uh, eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All that we put our eyes on, all that we live for in this life, it's all temporary. All of this is going to go away. And we're so consumed with the here and the right now. And what we don't see, that eternal side, that's going to go forever. That's where I want to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, and we already read this, but we are confident, yes, well pleased. Confident, 
well pleased, rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Now look, early, early Christians, they understood this truth. They understood death and what it meant. Um, I think more so than we do t- even today. Around 125 A.D., a Greek by the name of Aristides, he wrote to one of his friends, and in his letter he tried to explain the extraordinary, extraordinary success of this new religion called Christianity. Here's one of the things he wrote. He said, If any righteous man among the Christians passes from this world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God, and they accompany his body with songs and thanksgiving as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. That's the right view of death for a believer. Finally, number nine, and we're going to close. What will heaven be like? What will heaven be like? I think some people have been, they're scared of death because they don't know what's on the other side. Well, there's a lot of things I don't know about, but, I, you know, we do. What will heaven be like? So there's a story about a, there was a Christian doctor and he was in his office and he's talking with a patient and they're talking spiritual things. And the patient's asking the doctor, he said, well, what do you think heaven's going to be like? And he says, well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't really know what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be nice. It's going to be great. But I don't know. And the patient was like, well... You know, I don't, I, that, that, that doesn't sit well. I'm, I, you know, I really want to know what to expect or what's going to be over there. And, and the doctor says this. He says, well, let me explain it this way. He said, by chance, I, happen to, I have my dog here today. My dog is out in the outer office. And I had to bring it in with me today. Now, listen, my dog has never been in this exam room, has never been in here, has no idea what's in this room. But my dog knows I'm in this room. He said, if I open that door, he's going to bound in here with zero hesitation. You know why? Because he loves me and he knows I'm in this room and he's going to come in there. He wants to be where I am. Folks, that ought to be our attitude about being with God. That where he is, that's where we want to be. Now, I'm not saying... Go out and be stupid and, you know, I want to go be with God. So you're running 120 down 46 or driving in the other lane, which most people do anyway. Don't do those things. We want to live our lives to the fullest. We want to live the life that God has given us for his glory, for his honor, for the purpose he's put us here for. But when the time comes and that's over, we ought to be excited. We ought to be bounding to get in there in that room with him. Amen? What's heaven going to be like? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, but, it is, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We don't even know. We don't even. We, all we can do is imagine. But if he told us, we couldn't, we couldn't put it in our words. Our language wouldn't even grasp it. That's why he said, eh, wait till you get here. It'll just be better just to see it. In conclusion, I want, you to, I want you to listen to a few things that Charles Spurgeon shared about death. He said, death is the gate of life. I will not fear to die. It's the, it's the gate of life. I will not fear to die. He said, faith laughs at that which fear weeps over. He said, why dread death since there is no fear of God leaving you? If we really believe that, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Never doesn't get X'd out at at our physical death. He never leaves us. Death is no punishment to the believer. It is the gate of endless joy. That's the proper perspective. Christian, simple question for you this morning. Have you stopped living out of a fear of dying? I hope this morning, I asked Gina to read this yesterday. I, said, I mean, I should have told you all this morning. We're talking about death. That's a grim. But I hope for you this morning, that hasn't been a grim message. I hope that's an encouraging message to you. I hope you have a better understanding of death this morning. Because we as believers, we should not fear death. And for those who have passed on, who we know love the Lord, have a relationship with the Lord. We shouldn't, we, I mean, there's a grief that we have, but the Bible says we do not grieve as those who have no hope. 
There's separation. I grieve every time my daughter leaves for Pensacola. You know? There's some, there's some grief because of the separation. But that's just for a little while. We should rejoice for them. I'm telling you. I, I made a statement, and, and I've had some questions about it, but I made some, some statements about, about Florence and about Rob's deaths. And I, I think I said this last Sunday. Their deaths weren't tragic. Rob Jackson and Florence, both, based on their testimonies, are with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're with God Almighty. There ain't a thing tragic about that. Heartbreaking for us, for sure. I love Rob. I love Florence. I miss them both. But we ain't lost them, folks. In just a little while, we'll be with them. And they would throat punch us if we brought them back, if we could. <laughs> Amen? They would. So we've got to have this proper perspective of death. And man, it'll give us a great peace in life. And it'll embolden us to live our lives. Get out and live your life to the fullest for the Lord. If you would, stand. Pastor Aaron, if y'all come. This morning, listen, this isn't, these aren't steps up here. We use them as steps, but this is an altar. This is a place to come and, and, and talk to the Lord, to, to cast your cares upon the Lord. Maybe this morning, if, if, you, were, if you were going to be honest, you'd say, Pastor, you know what? I, I've, I've had a fear of death. I've had an improper view of death. And, and based on the scriptures and what we've heard this morning, I, I have a better understanding of that now. But, but that's not something to tell me. That's something to tell God. Maybe this morning is a good time to come and just talk to him. You can do it right where you're at. But th th this altar's open. Maybe you want to come and talk to him. Say, Lord, I've feared, I've feared death, and I shouldn't have. It's a wrong attitude. That's not the right attitude that we as believers should have about death. Maybe because of that, it's going to change the way you live your life. But this morning, the biggest question that would be on the table is for anyone here that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you've never come into a place, you've never come to that place where you, you, you were convicted by the Holy Spirit of God that you were a sinner. And you've come to that place where you repented you were broken of your sin. You repented. You come to, instead of doing it my way, now I'm going to turn and do it God's way. I'm going to turn to Him and receive Christ as my Savior. If you've never come to that place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning, folks, I'm telling you, you ought to fear death. You ought to fear that death would come before you get out the back doors. Because if death comes and you don't know Christ, there's an eternity in hell waiting for you. That, I don't want that for anyone. So I plead with you this morning. Maybe this morning you need to get that right between you and the Lord. Only you and God know what's going on in your heart. If you need prayer, there's, there's several of us who would love to pray for you this morning. If you need prayer, you want to come down, if you want to come and pray at the altar, you may have something on your heart that has nothing to do with anything I've said this morning. But maybe you want to come and have some time with the Lord at the altar. Father, I pray that you would just move in our, 